All right, what is good, fantasy football community? Got the Fantasy Wire football podcast coming. It's Blake and Jaron again. We spent a little time with Tony, and technical difficulties kind of kind of crushed his dreams and crushed his soul. So, he, so we have to uh, run it back. Yes, sir. So you got you got us two again. He unfortunately had to tuck the old tail between the legs and uh, live to fight another day. So hopefully, hopefully next week we can get him back. Uh, for now. We are going to roll in with some some big-time news. So, uh, man, I feel like we are just timing it perfect to where we have a podcast, we talk through some stuff, talk through some teams, and then all of a sudden a monumental change happens on that team. First, Debo Samuel. We talk about him. The next day, the dude is literally uh, injured the next morning. And then now we're sitting here... And we talked about the Patriots last week. And the next day, who do they sign? One Cameron Newton. So, Jaron, I want to give you the floor. Uh, this is something we obviously have to talk about, have to backtrack on. So, uh, I want to hear kind of what you're thinking about Cam, how high your hopes are. Maybe if you're pumping the brakes, uh, where are you at? So, I love it. Um, and I feel like I texted you, I think, after the news broke last week. And I said, hey, I think we're going to have to redo the entire division um, right. from last week. Because I there's there's the injury concern. There's always going to be the injury concern from here on out with Cam. But he's going to be in his prime. He's, what, 31 years old? Um, he's coming off an injury. He missed a lot of last year, basically the whole year. But it's Cam Newton. Like, the dude's good. And he's yeah. played with a lot of great talent. And um, he's going to be in a similar top environment in New England, of course. They're going to have a lot of talent around him. So if uh, the age-old saying, like, if he can stay healthy, he's going to put up good numbers. Um, they're going to scheme around him. You know, Bill knows what he's doing uh, there in New England, too. So I, I feel very confident that they're going to make him not only relevant for the New England Patriots, but for fantasy as well, as long as he can stay healthy. Um, you know, the, the game is moving more towards um, – the style of Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, those types of guys. And Cam was kind of the prototype there. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the dude is a machine. You watch his hype videos and I don't care if people are hating on him. That dude looks like a machine. I mean, he, he is, he looks like he's in incredible shape. He does. Right I mean, bro, mm -hmm. he looks like a defensive end. I mean, the mm -hmm. guy is comparable. When you start comparing him to people, you don't compare him to other quarterbacks. You compare him to people like Miles Garrett. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the kind of body this guy has. Mm -hmm. So, man, so I guess my question is, what is the potential? So when I say that, I'm saying you think he's a, a top five quarterback potential, top 10, top 15. Where's your with, head at? With Cam, he was MVP, what, three years ago? When was it? I don't 17, know. It may, it may have been a little longer. Four years ago, I think, is right. Okay. So regardless, coming off, you know, he was an NFL MVP. Right. Right. Um, he does everything. He's going to be on one of the one of the better franchises. I want to say the better teams. But I, re I still don't really know how I feel about him coming in next year. Um, so I, I really think there's potential for it with a healthy cam all year long. He could be upwards of top three to five. Um, yeah. I could, I could see him in the top three up there with – Lamar and Mahomes yeah well so I obviously we've had some time to let this bake and to let it sit in and man I just I think he's a lock to be a top 10 quarterback I yeah absolutely you cannot tell me I don't care what anyone says I don't care about how much the Patriots like Stidham at the end of the day like you don't sign Cam Newton who has the potential to be a distraction you don't sign him unless you're going to play him like you're not you don't sign there's no way it's a and waste it's a he's not a backup quarterback it's a waste of time to sign him to be such exactly and granted like it's only a few clips that i've seen of him working out in the off season but he's driven you know oh, yeah. he's going to want to come out and prove himself again after the years that he's had um and the injuries he's had he's going to want to bounce back he knows who he's going to play for he knows the opportunity that you know, he has been given right i think he's going to take advantage of it he's that type of he has that type of mentality to me Right. I mean, man, I think it's realistic to look at him with, I'm not going to go to top three potential, but I would say top five potential. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's not a big difference between three and five, but I, you know, I, it'd be very tough for him to unseat Mahomes. It'd be very tough for him to unseat Lamar Jackson. I have high hopes for Kyler Murray. There's some, there's some offenses that have more mm -hmm. firepower out there. Mm -hmm. 
But, dude, I mean, I, I have no doubt if he's a starting quarterback, he has, he's a top-ten quarterback. There's no doubt about it because of his legs. Um, so that's where I'm at. I, it's interesting. I don't know how it affects the rest of the offense in terms of the receiving core. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I'd say it's a vast improvement over Stidham in the passing game other than it's going to open things up more for the offense as a whole. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that for the running backs, now I'm very interested. And I'm going to have to do a little more digging and figure out if there's a running back that I'm going to buy more into. Because what Cam Newton will do with the running backs is, A, they're going to be more run heavy. B, you know, he's more than happy to dump it off, just like he had been doing, you know, the past couple That's of years. I was going to ask, who was his previous running back? That he right. Yeah. What was his McCa- name? Exactly. A little McCaffrey yeah. action. So. Yeah. So James White. Exactly. Stock goes, stock goes up for James White for me. Yeah. Him. And I would buy into that too. And, you know, I still have doubts about Sony Michelle's legs. And I also think Cam Newton gets a lot, some of those red zone runs that mm-hmm. Sony Michelle would have thought about getting. So, absolutely. The interesting people for me are how it works out with the receiving core. So, that's something to monitor. Does this help Julian Edelman? Does this help Nikhil Harry? Because, you know, you've seen Cam Newton have success with big receivers, he's had success with Kelvin Benjamin. He's had success with um, with just those bigger targets, even mm-hmm. you know Greg Olson. Uh, so it'll be interesting, but I have no doubt that Cam Newton's a starter day one. I have no doubt that he, if healthy, is a top ten guy, and I also have no doubt that this will be the healthiest he has come into a season in about three years, four years. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. High hopes. I still think the division is going to be a battle between New England and Buffalo, um, but I think it was a. It's an interesting prospect for Cam Newton to have, because the thing is, if you're Cam Newton, a if you have a good year, there's. I mean, there's only two things that happen from him having a good year. Either a you sign a long-term deal with the New England Patriots, who are arguably the best franchise in the NFL, mm-hmm. or you get paid bank to go play for another team Absolutely. so oh. so i mean at the end of the day this is a prove it type situation if he goes out he has success it could be big things for cam newton so yeah he has... my my kind of last thought with him is um just last year you know like i was excited about it i had high hopes i had, I had really high hopes for the panthers as a whole last year yeah. I, I was big on them going into last year um not only as a team but from a fantasy perspective too and so I watched him. I watched him a lot on Sundays, and he just looked bad. Like, mm-hmm. you could tell he was not right from the very first snap of the season. I, I was concerned about him because he just yeah. didn't look good. He didn't move well. He was overthrowing everyone. Not healthy. All, yeah, exactly. And so a healthy Cam Newton under Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots is a match made in heaven for me. I'm super excited about it. For sure. I like it. I like it a lot. So with that, you know, we spent a lot of time there, but man, you have to because it's big news, big news, big fantasy implications. So um, I think the question is going to be how high does he move up in drafts? So we'll stay tuned closer to draft season and see how that shakes out. But uh, he'll be drafted as a top 10 quarterback, I would assume. So um, we'll see as we go into that. And now we'll move into their neighbors, uh, the AFC North. So... We're doing, finishing up our divisional drill down. We've got um, three three divisions within the AFC to finish up. So let's dive in to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, arguably a Super Bowl favorite. I mean, they are one of the hot picks to, to make a move this year and make a run at it. And that starts with Lamar. That starts with Lamar Jackson. So I don't think there's any doubt that he's the QB1. Um, even if he takes a step back in the running, which I don't think he's going to. I think that's his style. I think that's Mike going back to the Michael Vick days. I mean, I think he's a different type of player, and you're not going to take the running away from him. Uh, so can he repeat what he did last year? I mean, he scored 421 points, which was more than anyone except for McCaffrey. And... I just, I think he's definitely QB1. And I think the question is, are you willing to draft him where you're going to have to? Because he's going to go in the third round. At least, I mean, at least. Probably going in the third round. Someone who really wants him is going to take him that early. And if he makes it past then, I'd make an argument that it's worth it to jump in and get him in the fourth, fifth round. 
I don't, I don't think he lasts that long in any drafts. I could make a strong argument as to why it would be not a terrible idea to take him in the second round, even. Really? Like, I think, and I'm very against drafting a quarterback early, but there's no reason with his age and style and just watching him, there's no reason for me to believe that he at least can't get close to what he did last year. Um, you know, you're going to hear things about, like, oh, defense are going to be able to scheme for him now that he has, you know, a few more years under his belt and more experience and more film and yada, yada, yada. But what it makes me think of after watching him last year, I see the numbers that he put up from a fantasy perspective, is, like, whenever we would play Madden back in, like, what was it, 06, 07? And yeah, you dude. could play with Vic on there, and yeah. it just it wasn't fair to same play thing. with him. It's going to be the same thing, but in real life. This yeah. time, like it's it's not fair to watch. And plus, he has he has the team around him to where it makes it even less fair. So yeah, yeah. I think if you can lock down, um, I don't know, maybe a McCaffrey in the first round, if that's your draft pick, and then you you come back around the second round and you take Lamar, like I want to be mad at that strategy as long as you have a good um, few rounds after that. If you if you can hit on your two through fives there. Uh, rounds two through five, then three through five. Sorry, it makes it, it makes sense to me to draft him that early. I mean, just as one little point of data to help you finish this off is he scored four hundred twenty-one points last year, and the quarterback two scored three hundred forty-eight. That exactly. that is a huge, huge, drastic difference. So uh, he can be a difference maker for you, and if you can build the rest of your draft out and mock draft and plan for it, then you know. He might be one where it's worth it. So and we so yeah, like the reason I, I shift my mind saying it's okay to do something like that in a draft if you want to like kind of live on the edge is we had a guy in our league, my cousin actually, who had to keep or he didn't have to, but he chose to keep Mahomes last year, and he got third. Yeah, in our league. So like it can happen. You can right. build a good. And that team was with Mahomes. As long as you draft well, that was with his injuries. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, um. So, obviously, the question with Lamar is not how good is he. The question is how early are you willing to take him. And that's mm-hmm. probably going to have to be third round. If you really want to nail it, it's going to have to be second round. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the rest of the supporting cast, you know, the running back position is really important in Baltimore. They were the most run-heavy team in the NFL last year. Part of that was because Lamar Jackson had so many carries. But they just like to run the ball. That's That's how they've always been. And that's their identity. And... It's an interesting prospect here because Mark Ingram has really just been Mr. Consistent for his career. I mean, he's always been consistent. And, you know, now he's also always been slept on, honestly. Ever since uh, Kamara came into the picture in New Orleans, mm-hmm. Ingram's kind of been slept on. Well, now you're looking at him at running back 23, an ADP of 57. I mean, as as far as it all things are considered, he's the running back one on the team. I mean, they drafted J.K. Dobbins. They put some draft stock in him. And I think the question is, is J.K. Dobbins the future or the present? And I think even if they're a committee, they were a committee last year. Honestly, they were a committee last year. And Ingram still finished at RB11, and he had over 200 carries. And on top of that, uh, he's a big-time red zone threat. So he's a touchdown guy. So a non-PPR league, I think he's more valuable. And, I mean, even in a PPR league, I think Ingram is getting slept on. I don't think Dobbins comes in in year one and just completely steals the work from him. I think people in Baltimore like Ingram. I think Lamar likes Ingram. I think Harbaugh likes Ingram. Yeah, exactly. He's the hype man. So, yeah, it's it's his job to lose, and he's not going to lose it because, like you said, he's better than what people give him credit for year in and year out. In um, New Orleans, it was a two-man show, but people kind of never talked about him. Yeah. But him and him and Kamara stayed pretty even whenever he was still there. So it is his job to lose, and he is not going to lose it. So he is being slept on which means there's going to be value there. Yeah, I mean, he's a six-round guy as the RB1 on the most run-heavy team that might be a Super Bowl contender. I mean, what more could you ask for when you've got Mm -hmm. opportunity and talent? So I like Ingram. I like him as a value. Keep your eye on him. Um, And J.K. Dobbins, that's not anything against J.K. Dobbins. I think he's super talented. I just don't think he's the kind of running back who comes in and completely knocks Ingram off of, you know, where Ingram's at. Now, I think he's a valuable handcuff. 
I think if Ingram goes down, he becomes extremely more valuable. And I think in dynasty leagues, he's very valuable because if Ingram is gone next year, say, then Dobbins is the number one running back on potentially a number one rushing offense. So Mm -hmm. that's how I feel about Dobbins. That's where I would categorize him, but I don't see Dobbins having a breakout and taking Ingram's job and neither do you. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, he'd be a good dynasty stash, though, if you have the room for it. Absolutely. Especially if you have, if you have Ingram, specifically. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, huge upside going forward. And then another guy, speaking of huge upside, is a guy who got talked about last year as a rookie, big-time breakout potential, and that's Hollywood Brown at the wide receiver position. He came in the year a lot like Cam Newton. He came in injured, and he tried to play through it, and... He had some big-time games. I mean, he had a game where I think he had two touchdowns, 174 yards receiving. That was one of his first few games. Uh, And he only had 69 targets because he was injured. But out of 69 targets, he had seven touchdowns. What that tells me is big-time potential. Big-time plays are going to happen. We obviously have watched a lot of Big 12 football. And in the Big 12, I mean, he was just a spark plug. I mean, just made plays left and right, big time receiver. Uh, And he was durable in college. I mean, it was just, you know, he had this injury coming into the NFL. So I like, I see him right now as a big time breakout guy. He is at ADP of 70. So wide receiver 33. I think people are drafting him as a wide receiver three, but I think he has wide receiver one upside. I mean, and the volume doesn't have to be there if the efficiency is there. And when they run the ball as well as they run it, and when he's as much of a big play guy as he is, I'm okay with him not having, you know, 120, 130 targets. I'm okay with him having 85 targets, 90 targets, if he can turn that into seven, eight, nine touchdowns and some big plays. So... I really like Hollywood Brown where he's going. I really like him a lot at that, you know, seventh, eighth round. Yeah, no, I I, I wanted to ask, like, when you say um, he has breakout potential, like, what exactly does that mean? And you, you answered it by saying wide receiver one. I have high hopes that he could, and I could definitely see why that would make sense for every reason that you um, laid out in the sense of the team that he's on. Um, he They're going to spread it out. They're, I mean, as far as, like, they're going to – have a strong run game. Um, they're going to establish that, and he is going to have opportunity. And what does opportunity mean? It means potential for points, right? right. So I'm all about it. Um, I, I'm kind of looking at his tier around him with other receivers, and even just like looking next to him with where you could grab him at. Uh, you have your Edelman, Gallup, Jones, Fuller, Cooks, Kirk. And out of every single one of them, I'm thinking Marquise Brown. Oh, yeah. All right, day. So, yeah, um, that's just remotely close to him. And even moving up a little bit, the biggest comparison I like to think about with him, and I just, for whatever reason, I associate these two in my head, um, is Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. And I don't think their styles or anything like that are the same, but because they both kind of, in my mind, I thought their break, breakout year was last year. Like yeah. they showed flashes of what could be a good long term thing coming. And um, out of those two, who would you take and why? Dude, that's hard because I like McLaurin a lot. Um, I think that if I had already drafted a couple fairly safe receivers, like say I had taken a guy, you know, <clears throat> I have Chris Godwin. Just example for our specific league. I have Chris Godwin as my keeper. And then say I can draft another guy in those early rounds, like an Adam Thielen or a consistent producing PPR type wide receiver. And then all of a sudden, I'm coming into that sixth, seventh round. Uh, at that point, if I had two safe receivers, I would take Hollywood Brown because I think that he has more boom-bust potential, but I think mm-hmm. he could pop a little bit higher than McLaurin. Uh, I think McLaurin could also be a wide receiver one. I just hate I hate Washington. So I'm going yep. ta- to take the team like you talk about a lot, and yep. I'm going to take Hollywood. That's my argument there too. So... Um, outside of that, there's not a lot to talk about because it's such a low, low volume offense, but looking at their wide receiver two, I think Duvernay, also a big 12 guy coming out of UT, dude, he's a freak athlete. And I think he's a guy to watch just as being their wide receiver two. You're not going to draft him. You don't need to draft him. Just know the name. Duvernay could potentially be a guy that emerges in this offense. If Hollywood has some injury problems like he did last year and, 
you know, I mean, he is an athletic specimen that could be a big-time wide receiver going forward. So uh, I think the the most important thing um, on their wide receiving core is Mark Andrews. So Mark Andrews is coming in at tight end four. He's one of those hot tight end guys that people are looking at. Is he the next, you know, Travis Kelsey? Is he the next guy to jump into that top tier, top two tier? And I think that he's going to have a huge target share. I think he's going to have a lot of end zone targets. And, I mean, I think he's being drafted right where he should be. So uh, it's just a matter of how soon you want to take a tight end. Do you want to take a tight end in the fourth round if it's not Kelsey or Kittle? Uh, do you think he's that good? And, you know, you're going to probably be deciding between him and Waller in that situation. Um, it's tough. It, that's a tough call. And honestly, I don't have a good feel for if I would take him that early. I kind of usually leave out that second tier of tight ends, in my personal opinion. I, you know, if I don't get Kelsey or Kittle, I normally take my chances a little bit later. So that's me. You know, I want to hammer down the same thing I say every single week is it is nice to have a tight end that you can just forget about, and he's that guy. It, I, so like, for me, mid-rounds, um, I guess fourth rounds is what you're saying, so I guess early to mid, um, it'd be nice just to have that that peace of mind. So just depending on what you drafted so far when you get to that point, or maybe if he does somehow slide down to like the fifth or something, I'd jump all over him Yeah, well, if it's me. And if you're taking your philosophy, I mean, the thing is, like, say – you know, the second round is too rich for your blood. So you don't want to take Kittle. You don't want to take Kelsey. But you want to get a sit-it-and-forget-it guy. I think Andrews is that next tier, like you mm-hmm. said. And maybe the fourth round's a little easier pill to swallow. You know, maybe you got mm-hmm. two running backs and then a stud wide... Or maybe you got a stud wide receiver and then two running backs and you're feeling good and you, you jump up and take him. Um, you know... That's... Or you take Lamar in the second and then just want to stack, right? Right. So you get your you get your go-to RB1 in the first round, then you get Lamar in the second, and then you get your receiver in the third, and then you get your tight end in the fourth. I mean... How do you like that strategy? You're not in a bad situation if that's if that's the route you take. Your team will not be a bad <laughs> team if that's the route you take. Uh, so uh, it's an interesting concept, but he is going to be a good tight end. He's going to have touchdown opportunities, no doubt, when they get in the red zone. So... Um, I see that Jaron went in and added the old kicker. You know, we're not talking about kickers and defenses enough in this podcast. Um, I know we've been going a little over our goal time, but I thought we should at least give Justin Tucker a little bit of love because he's Justin Tucker and he deserves a little bit of love. He does deserve some love. He's a phenomenal opera singer. Don't know if you realize that, but I'm pretty I sure pretty sure he majored in opera at uh, the University of Texas. So, And I also didn't even look up the kicker rankings. I just kind of assumed he would be... Oh, number two right now. Okay. Never mind. I thought he'd be number one. Yeah, getting dethroned. Harrison Bucker. Well, that offense, how can he not be? But, yeah, dude, I mean, uh, uh, if y'all want to know how I feel about kickers, I have tried (laughs) to get them out of our league for the past three years and unsuccessfully tried because for some reason people enjoy the luck of winning because of a kicker or losing because of a kicker, and I despise it. We will definitely spend some more time on that topic, I'm sure, at some point. Because yeah. we could probably have a pretty good argument there. Probably, for sure. So uh, let's let's go on ahead and uh, let's move into the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think the question with the Pittsburgh Steelers is, can Big Ben bring them back? Um, I mean, it's really that simple of a question. I This team, two years ago, I mean, dude, there was, there was three years in a row where I thought the Steelers were going to the Super Bowl. And it just didn't mm-hmm. shake out that way. It never worked out. It never happened. And I was always surprised. I mean, their offense was fantasy gold for three straight seasons. Just unreal. And um, so I guess the question is, can Big with Big Ben coming back, he finally cleaned up that mess that he had going on. Uh, you know, can he come back and bring them back to being the Steelers that are competitive in this division? Uh, and I'll let you talk about Big Ben, if you have any big-time thoughts there or kind of what you think, um, because I kind of have a few key points to make there. I, I, the quarterback position. Um, Man, I don't, I I, want to take a risk on him this year. And it's just nothing, I I know he can do it, and I know that he can give you, like, what you're looking for in a quarterback, Um, but he's going to get drafted because of his name, and mostly someone's going to draft him. Um, 
and you know maybe he comes out and flops and then if you're able to pick him up if you need to stream him or something like i'm okay with that but i'm not gonna draft him um i think he's right where he should be at qb15 of course with the upside to be a qb1 um to be a qb1 um so uh maybe finish somewhere like the five to ten range is where i would put him uh yeah if best case scenario but i don't like it and i don't think i would take any risk on him that's the the tag and i know it's are you a risk taker i feel like i'm a risk taker at times but not here right yeah and that's perfect because like you said that's my exact question are you a risk taker i think that's what matters with drafting big ben uh i do want to see where his actual adp is um because so he's getting drafted at 128 so what that means is he's getting drafted in those late, late rounds. So in those late rounds where you're just having to pick between, you know, kind of that second tier of quarterbacks if you're picking. Um, so what's crazy is some of these stats just jump off the page. Is basically last time that Big Ben had a full season, uh, the Steelers set a franchise record with 51 touchdowns. Now they had Antonio Brown and they had Le'Veon Bell. So don't don't pretend and Juju. Uh, so don't pretend that they weren't just a, an elite, high-powered offense. But nonetheless, that was with Big Ben leading the NFL in dropbacks, attempts, and completions. And he finished top five in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and fantasy points. That was the last Big Ben that we really saw. Because, you know, last year with the injury, he missed the majority of the season. So he's finished eighth or better in fantasy points per game in five straight seasons before last year. I mean, that's fantasy points. That's not just quarterback. That's that's fantasy points per game overall. So, like I said, I think the question is, are you a risk taker? Do you think Big Ben comes back and stays healthy? Now, he has not been healthy for an entire season for a long time. I mean, even in those seasons where he put up big numbers, he was not playing all 16 games. So, I think that's the question. And if Big Ben's available in free agency then I think it, I mean, dude, he's a big time streaming option going into the season. And, you know, one thing that I I didn't look at that I'm going to punch in really quick is, you know, I want to see his his schedule because I want to see where the season starts. Because the thing is, here's the deal. If you're going to go into the season and you're not getting a quarterback that you expect to be a sit it and forget it quarterback that you don't have to stream all year, which I want to tell you right now, there's not a lot of those. There are not many of those. I mean, even when you have a top six, seven, eight quarterback, there might be some weeks where you don't want to play him. There are not many that you sit and forget. So with Big Ben uh, starting the season against the Giants, who not a good offense last year. I mean, defense last year. Uh, Denver, Denver has a good defense. Houston, terrible defense. Um, so you got two out of three of the first weeks that I like, and you know, he's got Denver at home. So you might like him for those first three weeks of the season. And then it gets a little more interesting as you progress through the season. But, you know, if you start comparing him to other guys that are a little in front of him in the draft, if you don't love those other guys, then maybe it's a situation where, you know what, you take him in one of the very last rounds and you start him for a few weeks, and then you play the streaming game. And that is a good strategy that can work out for you. Um, so that's something to keep in mind for Big Ben, is you know a pretty easy schedule through the whole season, but especially to start the year. And if you're comfortable trying to stream quarterbacks, he could be one that's worth getting and streaming at the beginning of the year and then seeing where it goes and playing it from there. So um that's a little that's a little big ben talk that was kind of some big big news there with him coming back and wanting to talk about him and uh he affects his whole offense so you got running back james connor not getting much hype uh he's at rb20 an adp of 41 so going in the fourth round fifth round which for a pittsburgh Steeler number one running back that's not great Uh, i mean not where you'd normally expect to see them um but his problem is health so it's another one of those i mean are you gonna play that game where you're risking the health and i think it just depends on how the beginning of your draft is shaped up because i think if you have a couple safe options and then you want to go running back heavy and you could get him at the beginning of the fifth round this is a contract year for him he has big ben back and 
two years ago when he had Big Ben and Le'Veon Bell set out, he set the world on fire. And I think he's good enough to do that again with Big Ben. I just, will he stay healthy is the question. So um, if I have safer options in front of him and I don't have to rely on him to be even my RB2, if he could be a flex guy, I think he could have RB1 potential. Yeah, that's where I would put him. And um, I think I, I like him with where he is right now. If he if he starts going up, if his ADP starts going up, then I would like him less. But where he is right now, um, I would I would be happy drafting him there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say because that's that's really how I feel. I feel like if he stays where he is, that's a good value. And I think mm-hmm. value is what matters when you start talking about guys that are health risks. Are they a good value? Uh, and I think he is a good value. So we're not going to talk about the backup running backs because I don't think this is a handcuff situation. I, I would not want to have both running backs. That's just messy. Um, and I you don't even know who the backup's going to be, in my opinion. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no guarantee that it's any one of these guys. So they did draft McFarland, and he has some PPR upside. But... I'm not going to have him as a handcuff and you're not drafting any of them. So let's just move to receiver and Juju. Ah, man. I, I, did, Juju. I did not like Juju last year. I did not like him at all. And I was right. I mean, to a certain degree. Did not have a good year. Not the year that people expected. And I mean, the question is, he has Big Ben back and he's at wide receiver 10, ADP at 34. So you're still drafting him as a wide receiver one. Um... But one thing I did notice is he's going to be back in the slot. So more than likely, he's going to be in the slot because guys like Deontay Johnson and Claypool are going to be on the outside, which is a huge upgrade for Juju. I personally, I just, man, I love Juju. He's fun. I think, you know, loves fantasy football himself. But I'm just, I'm not sold on the wide receiver one department. I mean, if... If I could get him as my wide receiver too, I'd be ecstatic. But that's probably going to be at, you know, putting in jeopardy, drafting a running back that I'd rather have some depth at. So Juju's probably a guy that I don't have on many rosters. Yeah, um, it would have to be the perfect opportunity for me to take that chance on him. And that's because I did have him last year. And I was a little disappointed. I took him um, with my first pick, which technically would have been the second round for any other draft. And obviously, it didn't pan out. That was hands down my worst pick in the draft that I had last year. Um, and I think though, like the, the dude's good. Like he's he's fun to watch. He is good. He's you know fast. He's young. Um, he has kind of what it takes to be the wide receiver one. And I think last year, what it came down to, obviously, is Big Ben being out. But like the opportunities just weren't there. I was trying to pull up some numbers real quick from last year, um, but yeah. I feel like just from from what I'm recalling from memory, like he just didn't have many opportunities. I mean, he only played in 12 games, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know 16 before in 2018 or 2018, and only had 42 receptions in those 12 games, as opposed to 111 in 2018, which was like his breakout year for him. So right. Um, targets, 70 and 19, 166 in 2018. Right. So, I mean, my That's crazy. My, my thing is, if you believed last year that Juju mm-hmm. was a wide receiver one, a, a first or second round pick, then I don't know why you wouldn't believe it again this year. Because yeah. he has Big Ben back. So... I mean, that's kind of the fence I sit on. You know, even with Big Ben, I wasn't as high on him as I needed to be to draft him because that's where he is going to get drafted. He's going to get drafted at the top of the second round. And I'm not that high on him, and I wasn't that high on him last year. But, I mean, I think if you are someone who was on that side of the fence last year, then you should probably still be on that side of the fence this year because he played with nobodies last year. And, I mean, and he was, and he got hurt. So, um, I think that it just depends on where you were at last year. And, you know, obviously it's tough not to let recency bias play into that um, because it was frustrating if you did put that draft capital in him last year. But I think, you know, if you think he's that guy, then he should probably still be that guy in your mind because he's going to have his quarterback, they're going to be a better offense, um, and he's going to be in the slot. Let's be completely honest. Mason Rudolph was trash. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, like, you know, and that's it's going to be his fourth season. Um, and his numbers last year in a lot of aspects were worse than his rookie season. So I don't think it's going to be worse than last year. No, absolutely. So not. for sure, you know, I mean, the, the sample size is low. He had one breakout year where he was awesome. Um, so can he do that again? Is that who he truly is? Or is he going to be similar to his rookie year? I seem to believe the former of the two. I think his potential is maybe not quite as what, quite as good as what it was in 18, but it's definitely better than 17, definitely better than 19. And I would be happy with him as a wide receiver one, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's where Jaron's at on it. Um, so it's kind of... You're probably going to have to make that decision. Is is he going to be your wide receiver one? And can you trust it? I think if you can get him as a wide receiver two, run with it. Uh, another guy that we probably have to talk about, I don't have a lot of thoughts on him. I'm just going to be honest, is Deontay Johnson. A lot of people are calling him a sleeper. He's not a sleeper for me, per se, um, because I think Claypool is going to steal a little bit of his thunder. I think Claypool... I think what makes someone a sleeper on a team like this is they score a lot of touchdowns. I, I mean, because I think a lot of the targets are going to go to Juju. A lot of the targets are going to go to James Conner. Um, and then I think the rest of the targets are going to get split up between a little bit of everybody. And Deontay Johnson for me is not a sleeper. It could happen, but I think Claypool could also all of a sudden kind of have a DK Metcalf ish year and score a lot of touchdowns. So uh, I'm torn between those two. I think they both are sleeper prospects, but Deontay Johnson, I mean, he's at an ADP of 100, so you're not paying a high price tag, but he's not someone that I'm expecting a big year out of. I could see a world where it happens, but I'm not expecting it. Yeah, ditto. So uh, I do think, like I said, Claypool was their second round pick. He's a big bodied wide receiver. He's a touchdown type guy. So just keep an eye on him because he's not getting drafted and um he could obviously turn into a red zone threat and if big ben goes back to being big ben then claypool is probably sitting on waivers by the time you realize that big ben is big ben and he could be a you know third fourth week pickup that could be a big time guy uh tight end position eric ebron is there i'm i'm not buying into it i'm just i've never seen big ben have a tight end put up a big year. Uh, they've mm-hmm. always been excited about like McDonald and other guys, and I, I'm not I'm not buying into it. Even if Big Ben turns back into being his dominant self, I think that is based on the wide receivers and the running back. I don't think it goes to Eric Ebron, even though he was a top four guy two years ago. I think that was an outlier. I just I don't see it. Yep. So. Yeah, I don't have much to add there, unfortunately. Um, I wish I had something to say, but I don't. Yeah, I don't and you know, that's, a, that's the thing about tight ends, and that's why Jaron says what he says, is Jaron likes to sit it and forget it guy, because then you get to some of these other teams, and you're just like, eh, I'm nothing to get excited about. That's exactly where we're at with, with a lot of these tight ends. So Even like little nuances on, on good teams with tight ends, like uh, the Eagles, where they have you know arguably, arguably one of the best ones in the league, and then they have Dallas Goddard, who right. comes in and steals the thunder. For sure. Right? Like, that's just so annoying at the tight end position. Absolutely. Tight end position is a fickle little guy. So yeah. I will say I think there's more depth at the tight end position this year as well, which is why Ebron is not a guy I'm excited about. Because I think there's younger guys with higher potential, and I think there's some guys who broke out last year that are going to kind of cement themselves in front of him. So... I just don't see him having that kind of upside like he had in Indianapolis when he finished the top four. Well, that was because there was nobody else. I mean, they they didn't have any other receivers to throw to. So, um, uh, it makes me, I I don't even want to talk about this next team. They are a hot topic team. (laughs) It's the freaking Cleveland Browns. Like, dude... The next two we have to talk about are well, kind of on that category. I don't really want to talk about it. Right, and what's crazy is I'm way more excited about Cincinnati than I am Cleveland. But, mm-hmm. you know, Cleveland's like this team that everybody thought was going to be so good last year. And I get it. They had some sexy names. I mm-hmm. totally get it. But, dude, are they just going to keep being a dumpster fire or is the dumpster fire finally going to be put out? They got another new coach, Stefanski, from Minnesota, offensive coordinator in Minnesota last year most you know second most running offense in the league last year had dalvin cook with a big breakout year 
Um, which Baker Mayfield do we get? Um, I'll be honest, man. Like, there's times where I'm like, I kind of like Baker, but the majority of the majority of the time, I do not like Baker. And, dude, I think it goes back. I have one specific example. So obviously, we haven't been shy about talking about being tech fans, and. You know, people are like, oh, I can't, here we go. Can't believe Tech let him transfer because then he goes and wins a Heisman. Well, don't yep. don't try to tell me that Patrick Mahomes doesn't walk away with the Heisman if he's at Oklahoma University. Oh yeah. First of all, so yeah. Just as a reminder, that's why Baker left because he was third string there quarterback between guy. Mahomes and also another guy in the NFL, Davis Webb. So both guys were better than Baker Mayfield in college. Um, so there's that. To start off, but I specifically remember uh, we live in Austin, you know, and we go to the UT Tech game after the day after Thanksgiving, and you know I'm like, ah, oh, my my in law graduated from my in laws graduated from UT, big time Tech Texas fans, um, so I'm rooting for Tech, and dude Baker just like tore my heart out, like he looked like a high school kid playing on a college field. He thought he was athletic enough to outrun these guys, these grown men playing defense for UT, and he couldn't make the plays. And it just, you know, we never had a shot because of it. And I think that that, that's how I feel about Baker in the NFL. I think Baker has the personality that you want a guy like Baker to have. Like, he's a cutthroat guy. He's not... has great commercials. Yeah, yeah. He's not afraid of anything. He's he's Mm -hmm. charismatic. He's kind of a prick. Um, But... I think that at the end of the day in the NFL, I mean, it's a big boy league. It's it's a professional football. And I just I think it's a different breed of human. And I don't think Baker Mayfield is in that breed of human. I don't care what he did at Oklahoma. I have seen quarterbacks like Josh Heupel do the same type of stuff at Oklahoma. And none of y'all have ever heard of Josh, Josh Heupel because he did the same thing that Baker did last year. He, he came into the NFL and never did anything. So... Now that I've finished my rant on Baker Mayfield, I will have zero shares of him. I think last year was probably worse than he will be this year, but I think that was more of the Baker Mayfield to expect than the Baker Mayfield we saw in his rookie year. So I'm not excited about that at all. I mean, even in his rookie year, whenever everybody was going nuts about him, he finished at QB 12 in the the weeks he played. So I know he didn't play the full season, so that's accounting for that. That's only in weeks... 4 through 12. He finished at QB 12. I think that is his ceiling. I think he's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, and I don't see him being the savior of the Cleveland Browns. Rant over. Yeah, and my two cents worth on him is somewhere in between, I guess, where you are with him. Um, I'm still, part of me still wants to be hyped up from Hard Knocks a couple years ago, and whenever they did it with the Browns, and like I loved it. I got into it. That was the first as sad as, as sad as this is, that was the first hard knocks that like I really got sucked into. Like yeah. I was I was looking forward to it every single week. I love the Raiders last year too, but uh, the Browns is what really drew me into it. Um, and mostly because I do like I think he's funny. Like I mm-hmm. I think the the commercials are great. Like he has that personality. He is kind of a prick. Um, but I, I there's a big part of me that wants him to do well, even with like how he kind of rubbed Tech's name through the dirt as he left and, like, you know, didn't have many good things to say. And exactly like you said, like, he looked a little out of place whenever he still was with Tech. I think he has looked a little out of place in the NFL. But I I, want to root for him. I want him to do well. And a big part of me is because I love an underdog story. I don't think he would be the underdog, but let's face it, the Browns are an underdog. Yeah. And to to see them just pull out of the dumpster fire that they've been since I started watching football 30 years ago, like it would be nice to see that happen. But I'm with you. I don't think he's a guy that does it for fantasy relevance. Um, there's too many other guys that I would rather take a chance on. Of course, you know, it, it may be one of those situations where if you get him late, late, late in the draft and it pans out, I, I could see that happening too, because look who some of his, look who he has on his team. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, OBJ, Landry, Chubb, Hunt, like he is surrounded with talent. It's just a matter of if it can click, and it has yet to ever happen since I've been alive. For right. The oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, the thing is, if you want a narrative, Baker Mayfield needs a chip on his shoulder, and he has one because you know last year he sucked, and he knows he sucked, and you know he could come out and prove everybody wrong, and he has the weapons to do it. He's got a new coach. There's no more excuses blaming the coach. 
so let's take it into the running back position where Nick Chubb, I had him on my team last year, loved him. Uh, he is a good NFL running back. He is coming in at running back 12, ADP of 17. Um, his volume is going to be huge. He could have 300 carries this year. And I don't care that Kareem Hunt's there. I don't think that it affects his volume because I think it affects his upside. I don't think it affects his volume because I think Stefanski is just going to run the crap out of the ball. That's what he wants to do. That's how he's going to protect Baker. Uh, so that all being said, I am definitely high on Nick Chubb. The problem is I don't know. I don't know that I'm high enough to draft him where you're going to have to draft him because, uh, I mean, he's going to be, I see he's at ADP 17. I know that I play in a lot of running back heavy leagues. He ain't going to last that long. He ain't going to last until the end of the second round. He's going to be a end of the first round, very top of the second round pick. And that's where you're getting a little rich for my blood. Uh, I think that, you know, I thought I was lower. I will say I thought I was lower on him than I actually am. And when I started looking at kind of the breakdown and the ADP and who was around him, I will say that, you know, I, I do like him more than I realized. And I think that when I look at this here, you're looking at having to take him, uh, where are you at, Chubb? You're looking at, I mean, around like Aaron Jones, uh, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is in front of him. All three of those guys are right in front of him. I I would prefer Miles. I don't know. I don't know. That's what I mean. When I looked at this today, I was kind of like, you know what? I don't know. I might prefer Chubb over those guys, even with Kareem Hunt. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say I prefer Miles Sanders because the team that he plays on. Yeah. And that's me being a homer. Right. And I, I'm keeping him in our league uh, that we base this off of. So I love Miles Sanders. I love the potential there. I already talked about him. I don't waste too much time on him. That being said, uh, I guess Hunt might scare me a little bit more just because um, – of his name, I guess, more than anything else. Like, I do think that that ship has sailed for him. But in a run-heavy team, who's to say that they won't try to, like, mix things up? Who's to say that, you know, Chubb won't get hurt? Who's to say that, right. they, you know, they're, they're still they're, – the Browns know they're still trying to prove themselves. They know they're trying to break through this, this floor and be competitive on a consistent basis again. And who's to say that they give Chubb a shot and if he, like, botches it the first few weeks? Who's to say they wouldn't turn to Hunt? Like, you just don't know because they – you know, Hunt could be the starting running back on another team. Oh, yeah. So, so I don't know. So, it's, don't know. I'm glad you brought all that up because my take on Kareem Hunt, I think Kareem Hunt's awesome. I mm-hmm. thought he was awesome in his rookie year. I drafted him. I reached for him a little bit, and it paid off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think that Kareem Hunt is the same Kareem Hunt that's there. I think this is his last year in Cleveland. I think that he has a good season and he gets signed as a running back for a team out there that needs him and signs a good contract next year. Um, What I found that was interesting is I think if you draft Kareem Hunt, you are hoping that Nick Chubb gets hurt because it's hard to draft Kareem Hunt as, I mean, maybe it's not. It depends on how you view handcuffs. If if I'm going to draft a handcuff, I don't want to have to draft a handcuff Mm -hmm. until the late rounds. Kareem Hunt is going in the seventh round. So that's not mm-hmm. late to get a handcuff. Now, he's going to have standalone value, especially in PPR leagues. But what's interesting about him, what I wanted to bring up for the sake of this, is when you start looking at his ADP and you start looking at who's getting drafted around him, then I think it becomes a lot more interesting because he's getting drafted you know, at, at 81. So um, that's wrong because I must not have this on PPR. Give me one second. Because I'm pretty sure he's getting drafted at 77 is what I is what I said or 66. I'm sorry. So let me let me fix this really quick. That makes a lot more sense now. So he's getting drafted at 66 in a PPR league. And what's interesting to me is the running backs that are right around him. So I want to play a little name game and look at this because you've got DeAndre Swift at 63. You've got Kareem Hunt 66. You got Cam Akers at 67. Uh, and I mean, Mark Ingram at 57, which is a good amount in front of them. That's a whole round, but nonetheless. So when you look at guys like DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers, 
I mean, I feel like they're in the same situation. They're in a timeshare. There's no guarantee that they're going to be the guy. But I think there's a guarantee that Kareem Hunt has standalone value. And, and give me the guy that's done it before. Yeah, he's done it before. He's proven mm-hmm. it. He, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think if Nick Chubb goes down, Kareem Hunt's a top 10 running back, no doubt. Again. So, <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, like, with where he's at, if he stays there in his ADP and you get to the point of, do I draft Kareem Hunt, who I know has a role, or do I draft one of these rookie running backs who has potential – Dude, I'm drafting Kareem Hunt because I think his potential is just as high as those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting thing for me because I, I've been thinking kind of this whole offseason, I'm like, ah, oh, Kareem Hunt's going to get drafted way higher than I want to pick him, blah, blah, blah. But I kind of like him, especially on especially on a team with Stefanski at the, at the head coach who, I mean, dude, Kareem Hunt would be a dream for him if that was his running back one. You know, just... So do you draft him solely as a handcuff, or do you draft him off with standalone value? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think that I think if I think that you're, it would be hard for me to draft Nick Chubb if I spent the draft capital on Nick Chubb and then to turn around and have to spend the same like a high draft capital on his handcuff. That's gonna be tough because then like I'm picking someone that as a flex spot. Am I gonna play Kareem Hunt in my flex? Well, am I going to want to play him over Terry McLaurin or A.J. Green or Hollywood Brown? Probably not because I think those guys have a higher upside unless Kareem Hunt becomes the running back one. So that's kind of my dilemma with it is I'm probably – I'm not picking him unless I'm picking him not as a handcuff. I'm picking him, A, because I have somebody else's handcuff, B, which gives me some some trade potential later in the season – and B, you know, I have a potential running back one if a guy goes down with injury, but I also have a guy that I can probably stick into my flex from time to time if I if I need him. Uh, so that's kind of the way I view it. I don't view him as a handcuff. I view him more as a as a flex play with very high potential based on if an injury happens. That's how I view him. Okay. So. And that's like all based on my research because I did not feel like that before I started diving into mm-hmm. him. So um, I'm not going to talk a lot about the wide receiver position because uh, I'm going to let you, but I, I love, um, I love Odell as a talent. I don't love his situation. I don't love Baker Mayfield. Uh, so at wide receiver 12, I will not have Odell on a single roster. Um, Jarvis Landry at wide receiver 28, an ADP of 69. I think he's a much better value. I think that in a PPR league, he's going to have value because I think Baker has established some rapport with him. Uh, But, you know, so I'd rather have Landry as a wide receiver three that I'm not having to pay a lot of capital for than having to pay for Odell. Um, Those are kind of my thoughts there. Uh, I had a note about Odell, but I'll get to it in a second. Because like I said, I, I'm not going to say much here. I don't love the Browns receivers because I don't love the Browns quarterback. Yeah, um, I guess this is kind of reminiscent to me of Juju, but obviously Odell has a longer track record and he has done it more than Juju has just because you know, he's been around longer. Um, that being said, I, I, I fall in the same boat uh, with him. I think that... It's. I think we would have seen it last year if it was going to happen, and right. that's not on him. I just think that that's on the team. You know, it's probably partially on Baker. So you know, obviously, if Baker comes out and you know proves himself this year, Odell's going to be a big part of that. I think right. he's going to have to be a part of that equation. But all in all, um, I don't want him, uh, especially where you're going to be drafting him. That being said, I do think um, people went into last year with really high expectations for him, um, for him with the Browns specifically, for him with Baker specifically. So a lot of people might be burnt on him. So maybe he will fall a little bit uh, to where you can grab him um, later than what his ADP currently is. Yeah, I mean, that's potential. And uh, the one note that I will say is this is something I saw, and this is a perfect example. We talked about this a couple weeks ago where you can make stats say whatever you want them to say. 
Mm-hmm. And that's so you got to understand how to read into the stats and how to make your own informed decision using stats. Because there's a um, little note in Fantasy Pros here that says Beckham is the only wide receiver other than Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Michael Thomas, and Julio Jones. Um, they're the only five wide receivers to post over 17 and a half fantasy points per game before the age of 27. And the thing is, like, oh my gosh, they're talking about Odell in the same breath as these guys. Well, here's the problem with these guys. Randy Moss had, Randy Moss was unbelievable, one of the best of all time, and he was a huge vertical threat with quarterbacks that had cannons. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, he also had Tom Brady later in his career. But early in his career, he was with guys that were just chunking the ball downfield. Well, then Jerry Rice, I promise his quarterback play was a lot better than Baker Mayfield. Uh, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, their quarterback play is a lot better than Baker Mayfield. Give me Drew Brees. Give me Matt Ryan. So, sure, that stat's eye-popping and it's impressive. But what I would say to combat that is Eli Manning is not his quarterback anymore. And I don't think Baker Mayfield is as good as Eli Manning. And I just, you know... Like, oh, they just didn't have chemistry last year. I don't buy that, man. There's plenty mm-hmm. of talented quarterbacks that hook up with the best receiver in the league, and they click right away. I mean, we talked about that with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. They clicked right away. I mean, it, I think the same thing is going to happen with Murray and DeAndre Hopkins this year. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're one of the best receivers in the league and you have a great quarterback to go along with it, you're going to click. And I don't think the problem is Odell. I really don't. I think it's Baker. So, yeah. Uh, man, the tight end, it's kind of hard to skip over because he was such a big time tight end last year. But I give you one note on Austin Hooper, who's coming in at tight end nine. Uh, he had 97 targets last year for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, n- last year, Stefanski was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. No tight end on Minnesota's roster had more than 48 targets last year. All tight ends combined had 105 targets. So, you know, I say that because it just doesn't seem like with all of the weapons and all the mouths to feed in Cleveland, um, I, I just don't see Austin Hooper being able to repeat what he did. And I have other other tight ends higher on my board. Yep. You can't argue that one either. So it's just an unfortunate situation for him at the end of the day. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he went from Matt Ryan to Baker Mayfield, and I I don't love it. So um, yep, that argument was made. Uh, see, uh, see our notes under Odell. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exact, no, you the same argument. Yeah. Exact same argument. So, you know, if you feel great about Baker, then there's reason to believe, but we don't. I don't, especially. So um, let's get through the bungles. So. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, you know, the Joe, Joe Burrow revival. I, man, I mean, I've been thinking that, man, the Bengals could be interesting this year. Their offense is interesting. And I still think that after going through and doing my research on them, uh, I think Joe Burrow, he's at quarterback 20. I I just think he could surprise people. They have an improved offensive line and he has weapons for days. So am I telling you to go draft Joe Burrow? No, I'm not. Am I telling you he's going to be Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray? Nope, I'm not. He's not going to run the ball. So that's obviously going to put a cap on him, and he's probably going to be a risk taker. He's probably going to throw interceptions, which is going to hurt his value. But I just think that he could be closer to that low-end quarterback one world than people are projecting him at. So... I am excited about him in that regard, and I think he ends up being a decent streaming option going forward. Yeah, I am excited about the Bengals. Um, I have a good buddy that's a Bengals fan, and it kind of stinks because uh, I was able to give him so much crap for so many years about it. And I I don't think it's going to be the same this year. Um, I do think they're going to take a step in the right direction. Um, I don't know how much I'm buying into Burrow, but I am buying into the rest of the team this year. I've always been a big Mixon fan. I think Joe Mixon's a real deal. I think he has just been in bad situations, had a few bad breaks go his way, but I do think that he is a great running back. I've loved him ever since he was at Oklahoma, um, and I've loved watching him 
so he's been in the NFL too. And I just think that he has gotten bad luck uh, so far. And so I think he will be one that will break out and surprise people this year. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it'll be a surprise. That's, that's probably not the right word to use. Well, but, but what I think you can say is, you know, you got to break surprises into tiers. It's not like mm-hmm. he's like running back 30 and all of a sudden he's in the top five. You know, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. are expecting him to be a top 10 running back. And I did put, I think he's the sneakiest of the top 10 running backs. I think I that, yeah. you know, I, I think that if you looked at the top 10 guys at the running back position, I mean, besides Austin Eckler, who's at running back nine right now, uh, I think everyone else, people would not be that surprised if they jumped into like that top two, top three range. Cause everyone's thinking, you know, top three is a lock. It's McCaffrey, it's mm-hmm. Barkley, it's Zeke. But dude, I see a world where Joe Mixon jumps into that top three range. And I think people would be surprised by that. So sure. I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibilities. Um, I know there's he's a lot only, of only, he's only 23, right? There's a lot of Derrick Henry truthers out there, and mm-hmm. I would argue this is probably only in a PPR league. In a PPR league, I would take Joe Mixon over Derrick Henry. Uh, that's where I sit on that because I think he's going to catch a lot of passes. Now, that's probably where I where I kind of cut the cord because I do believe in McCaffrey, Barkley, Elliott, Kamara, and Cook a little bit more than Mixon because they're all on better teams. Uh, well, except for Barkley and McCaffrey, but they're just they're in their own league so Mm -hmm. um but i mean dude i think that he could sneak into that top three i mean he could finish in front of kamara he could finish in front of uh dalvin cook i mean with stefanski gone there's no guarantee that dalvin cook's the same guy dalvin cook could get hurt you never know i think mixon has potential to jump into that top three uh that's his ceiling and that's a high ceiling you know he's a thousand yard rusher two years in a row and He's going to have opportunities to score touchdowns this year, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, he only scored five last year, four his first year in 17, and eight in 2018. So eight's probably – I think eight 2018 is probably more of a reflection of his potential, throwing a little bit more receiving in there. And absolutely, top, top three to five, I think, is reasonable. Yeah. More than reasonable. I think it's probable. Yeah, I do too. I absolutely do. I think he ends up at the RB six. I mean, in a in a low. I, I think that if he plays a full season and things go just normal, I think that's where he ends up. But I think he could end up at running back. You know, two or three, no doubt. So would you would you take him over um, Drake? Is there out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. I would take yeah, him. Would. I would take him over everybody except for those five guys. I said. You know, okay. over mm-hmm. uh, obviously the top three, and then I would still take Kamara because of the offense, and I would still take uh, because I'm gonna I'm gonna probably have that option honestly if we're being real, you know I mean based on our draft and I'm sitting at the third overall pick with how keepers shake out and everything like that, Mixon will be available, uh, but so will Kamara, so I would take Kamara there, and I would take if this Dalvin Cook stuff doesn't get cleared up. I mean, you know, maybe I take Joe Mixon over Dalvin Cook, but if if Dalvin Cook gets cleared up, I'm I'm still taking Dalvin Cook. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, anyway, so that's the running back position. I am excited about it. I'm excited about him. I think he's super talented. Uh, wide receiver position. AJ Green is supposed to be 100% healthy, working hard, 100% ready to come back. I personally think he could have come back last year, and he just thought, no way. Not worth it. That was a smart thing to do. Absolutely. So it's just, dude, at the end of the day, I mean, this guy is perennial a top 12 wide receiver. Every year, even with the Bengals, when they haven't been great, he's been a top 12 wide receiver. So, I mean, I guess the question is, do you think he's healthy? Because if you think he's healthy, I don't know why you would expect him, even with getting a little bit older and et cetera, et cetera, I don't know why you wouldn't expect him to be have that kind of potential. He's at wide receiver 28 right now. He's getting drafted in the seventh round. I would love to have him, personally. Yeah, uh, I don't understand why he is where he is right now. I mean, he's had two rough years, but they're also injury-ridden yeah. years. He's going to have over well over 100 targets, I think. I mean, it's, Oh, yeah, dude. Why Absolutely. wouldn't he? Um you got Joe, Joe Burrow. You think about where you drafted him, right? You're going to go out there and show off your new toy, especially when you're the Bengals. 
And who's good, who better is going to be out there to help make Joe Burrow look good than AJ Green? Yeah, I hundred percent. So I, I hope people don't talk about him because I want him to not get drafted so I can draft him. Yep, I that's my take on him. Unfortunately, we're in the same boat and we pretty much play in all the same leagues, so uh, <laughs> I guess we'll be fighting for him and duly noted. But but yeah, uh, uh, I mean, dude, because the next stat speaks to that. So Tyler Boyd, wide receiver, thirty. So he's ranked very close, and he's getting drafted very close to A.J. Green. He's had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He's been a good receiver. So I think it depends on what you believe about Green. If you believe Green's still hurt, then that means you probably believe that Boyd is going to have another 1,000-yard season and another good season. So he would be a good value in the 7th, 8th round. But my thing is, I personally believe that A.J. Green, like you said, is going to have a great season, which I think is going to hold Boyd back a little. Uh, I mean, I just don't think... I know that Zach Taylor came from the Rams and, you know, high volume. They spread it out to all their receivers. I don't see that happening in Joe Burrow's very first year, uh, especially with a shortened preseason and offseason. I think they keep it simple. And by keeping it simple, I think that means Mixon gets high volume. I think it means Green gets high volume. I think the rest of the targets get pretty spread out. So I'm not... I'm not spending the capital on Boyd. I'm spending the capital on Green. So I think it depends on what side of the fence you sit on, and we both sit on the same side of the fence. So I want to be I want to be disappointed with Boyd, um, but I'll go in with lower expectations than what I have with with Green. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, then they've got some speedsters, and well, they've got John Ross. Uh, these are both late, late round dart throws. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not crazy about them because of the volume thing that I just brought up. Mm-hmm. So, um, tight end position next. Uh, Uzoma, we'll, we'll we'll see you later. So, uh, division prediction, and then we'll wrap it up. So, uh, man, it's hard not to pick the Ravens. So I'm taking the Ravens. I I personally think the Steelers are back, and I think they. They push for a wild card spot. I think Big Ben can bring them back to that, and I just think they're a good organization, good coach. Uh, I think that, dude, I, I'm flip flopping. I'm, I'm taking the Bengals to finish third in the division. I think that they, they split with a couple people that they shouldn't, and they, they sneak in there. And I think the Browns finishing last. I, I just, I don't believe it. Yep, um, I wanted to flip flop that for you, and you beat me to it. But <laughs> sorry, Ravens, Steelers, Bengals, Browns—that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, so where? I mean, honestly, I, I had, I could see the Bengals finishing second in this division too. Like, is that crazy? It might be Ravens, Bengals. It's pretty crazy. I'm gonna lock it in. Lock, lock it, it in. in. Ravens, Bengals, Steelers, Browns. That's right. my new my order. I'm going to put it in our notes so we don't forget about it. Yeah, put it in there. That's a bold prediction. So we'll have to remember that guy later. But uh, So obviously we got the Ravens, um, and it'll be interesting to see. There's there's a lot of fantasy relevance in this division. So it, uh, it should be exciting, and hopefully got you some good tips to lock in on your fantasy drafts. Boys, fantasy drafts, boys and girls, fantasy drafts are coming in probably in the next – you know, you're probably getting it on the schedule for the next 45 days, definitely the next 60 days. So we are not far from the season kicking off. So starting to get excited. It looks like, you know, they shorten the preseason, which who cares. But Thank goodness. They should just keep it that way. I know. I know. So we're tracking towards an NFL season. So uh, it's exciting. Get excited. Start prepping for your draft. Start mock drafting. We're going to run a mock draft here pretty soon that will get put up and kind of talk you through our decision-making process. So uh, stay tuned, follow, subscribe, and uh, we're out. Bye.